Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with Anna Chazinski, Andy Murray, and James Harkin. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that according to a 2011 YouGov survey, 27% of Britons neither love nor hate Marmite. <laughs> I love that. That makes a lot of sense. It is it's a great fact. I'm really in that 27%, that. I think. I think I am too. Don't I have any love it. I love it, yeah. Do you? But here's a weird one. I love Vegemite, but I hate Marmite when you take the comparison higher. So you would, would obviously love Vegemite, Dan, because you're Australian, but yeah. I'd actually prefer Vegemite to Marmite, and I think I'm probably the only British person who would admit to that. It's just better, guys. Well, I read an extraordinary story that... IBM did a global survey of the most talked about brands mm. online and they went through the internet scouring it for the most brands mm. that were spoken about and the top brand higher than uh, Coke higher than Nike was Vegemite more really? spoken about Is than it because any it's other brand cold. You don't need to speak about Coke because it's just it's always going yeah, to be it there. Could be, yeah, it could be that. And the weird thing is that they tracked it down that <laughs> 98% of Vegemite eaters are all Australian. How many? What percent, sorry? 98%. Well, that wow. sounds right. Wow. I don't yeah. think you can buy it anywhere else. You can, can get it you overseas can. now. You can get it oh, in the you? supermarkets here. But so what's even more interesting is that it wasn't like they were tracking it to Australia. They were tracking it globally. So they know where all the Australians are around the world. <laughs> wow. Through Vegemite consumption. That's really yeah, good. that's yeah. really great. I mean, that's not obviously all the Australians, but it's no. like it's just it gives you a great map of how spread out Aussies yeah. are around the world. You cool. could probably do the same with British and baked beans. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although yeah. Vegemite is now really popular in certain Asian countries, like in Hong Kong, it's all sold out in Hong Kong from all supermarkets suddenly, and that was when it was connected to umami flavor. So oh, yeah, there was yeah. like a lot of press around it at some point, which said that is the umami flavor, and because that's you know hailed as a brilliant flavor, in particularly in Japan and Hong Kong, um, suddenly it's incredibly popular. Wow. Right. Hey, guys, are we talking about Vegemite on this podcast or are we talking about James's fact about Marmite? My fact's about Marmite. Don't bring your Australian ways over here. Um, I didn't know it's got celery in it. Has it? Yeah. Marmite is made with celery. Wow, that must mean it's so good for you. Yes. Excellent. It also has, like, remnants of beer in it, doesn't it? That's what it's made of. It's like extract from the beer making. Is it still... Well, probably not anymore, but that's where it originally well, no, came If from, you've got yeast left over, you may as well use it. For, yeah. well, I wonder why I was not drunk after breakfast. <laughs> that's because that's you have a serious problem, Anna. It's because you're always drinking at breakfast. It's not, I don't think it's the Marmite. I think it's the it's pint, pint of wine <laughs> you're having with it. I blame the Marmite. I think I must have had a bad slice of Marmite. <laughs> There was, speaking of drinking, um, they released on Valentine's Day in 2008, they released champagne-flavoured Marmite. Oh, I read about that, and it had 3% champagne in it. Now, I would have thought <laughs> that the Marmite would overpower the, sh- the 3% of champagne. Yeah. Marmite's a famously mild flavour. Um, Marmite, do you know what it means? It means a mar- our Marmite is an old French cooking pot. So, you know on the front of a Marmite jar, there is the little picture of a yeah, red and yellow... Yeah, the casserole dish. The casserole dish, that yeah. is a Marmite. Yeah, it's because it was originally made to add us like an, a little bit of extra to casseroles. That was the point of Marmite in the first place. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Like Flavour? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a stock cube or something like that. Because okay. it was invented by the same guy who invented Oxo cubes, who was called Justus von Liebig. Uh, and right. he 
he was the first person who realized that you could um, take like the yeast extracts and, and turn it into something you could eat. Uh, but he's also known as the father of the fertilizer industry because he discovered that nitrogen is essential for plants. And he also developed a breast milk substitute for babies. Wow. wow. So he's a talented. proper good guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so wait, hang on. Archetypally British uh, Marmite was invented by, was he German? Justus von Liebig sounds yeah, German. Yeah, I think he was, actually. I think his um, his main uh, manufacturing place was in Frey Bentos, which is in Uruguay oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you call it Marmite? He should have called it Justice, so he could say, Justice will be served <laughs> at breakfast. He had you on his marketing good. team. <laughs> so was his breast milk substitute Marmite. <laughs> <laughs> he just claimed to have invented. <laughs> I've invented a delicious aperitif. <laughs> it's a Marmite shot. And a, fant- and a fantastic new hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> read, there are a lot of articles online about um, Marmite because it, it's something that people like talking about. And I, I read this phrase: Marmite won two world wars. Okay. That's not strictly true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the fastest climb down from the assertion of a fact I've ever read. Um, and that was on a BBC article about it. But it, right. what, what they mean was it was in soldiers' rations in yeah. the First World War. Yeah. Um, you would get for vitamins. You got, uh, spam, condensed milk, and marmite, basically, didn't you? <sighs> That's a meal. They had this kind of corned beef stuff that no one liked. Uh, and so few people wanted to eat it that they ended up just using it to prop up things in the trenches and there were crates and crates of this stuff that wow. no one would eat. I think they would overindulge in the trenches if they were just <laughs> oh using their God. food as a building material. <laughs> no, genuinely they did because they liked you, some How bad was it? You think they were overindulged <laughs> in the trenches? <laughs> I'm just saying. Just replay that. <laughs> However much... <laughs> You think that the rancid meat they were served, which they could only walk on. (laughs) Wow. They were a little bit spoiled. (laughs) Um, So the the thing about the uh, the actual slogan itself was that it was just a genius slogan. Yeah. In that it just created a whole. Oh, love it or hate it. Yeah, it was just fantastic. And um, I was I was looking into a few slogans and I read the most popular slogan. We mentioned it slightly by saying if British people were around the world. Heinz makes beans or whatever it beans is. Beans means Heinz. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Heinz. Supposedly the most How successful of all the slogans. Do they know on what metric that's the most successful in terms of the most people who they remember do. it? Or Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. Sort of no, it was just a poll to or... say which was your favourite. And, and it is very good, for. Beans means Heinz. This led me to a kind of little snoop into the world of slogans, oh, yeah. uh, which <laughs> I just, I found, I, was, I ended up looking at basically the last Brazil World Cup. They all came in with country slogans. Did you see the slogans? I don't remember. They, each country had like a brand new slogan that they brought with their country. Okay, so give us a country Cup. and we'll see if we can work out what they were. <laughs> okay, Argentina. Give us the Falklands back, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Catchy. <laughs> no, that's a, it's a rather boring one for them. It's not just a team, we are a country. Uh, France. This is my France favorite is one, actually, the French one. Total France. No, so it's... Uh, Impossible is not a French word, which I love because it literally is. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think that that French line "impossible is not a French word" is, is was originally a Napoleon quotation. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Just in case we get. So that's quite good, that. man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was also wrong. Um, <laughs> yes. Can I, this I really like this story. Um, is from an article again, sort of you know interesting facts about Marmite. 
I'm quoting directly. In 2009, a Marmite-obsessed thief targeted a petrol station and stole 18 jars over a month. <laughs> Ultimately, the owners stopped stocking it to prevent him striking again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You go into, like, Tesco's and there's nothing there. It's like, well, we've had no robberies for the last three years. But that's what they said, wasn't it? I read that article and they were like, well, what's the point of us putting it on our shelves if this guy's just going to nick them? There's no point. I know, but it's such a computer. Yeah. Yeah. to theft. It does feel like that guy's won. Yeah. <laughs> Should we move on? Um, yeah, let's move on. A bit, oh, but add, add, yeah. One more thing I read. Former Chelsea footballer Nicholas Anelka is said to be scared by Marmite. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What's... I don't know, but he always goes to that petrol station these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time for fact number two. My fact this week is that the Knights of the Round Table included Lancelot, Gawain, Galahad, and Gareth. <laughs> Gareth, the knight. <laughs> what was his job? He was, well, he was just like a classic knight. The was weird he? thing, though, I was looking... He's not one of the famous ones, is he's he? He's not, but I was looking into him. He's actually Arthur's nephew, um, which just uh, seems like... Nepotism a, in yeah. the workplace. Here we go. <laughs> I can't believe there's a new seat at the table. Yeah. I think he was going to be one of the great knights who's finally made his way. Because you know there were lesser tables... No. Really? Yeah. Were there, I, other, oh, were there other shapes as well? I'm not sure. I, I was there an oval the table and then... It was kind of like a main hall where they had... I mean, it, it obviously never happened, but like, <laughs> uh, I was. there's a novel that's come out talking about the lesser knights, and I didn't realise that the novel actually has a basis in what is closer to the actual mythology. There was a, there were lots of other tables where there were like older knights who were retired and there were... So there it's a... like at a wedding where you've got the head table <laughs> and yeah. then you've got the really crap one in the corner with tedious people. Were there, was there a trapezium <laughs> table? Were there the knights of the trapezium table? Or the rhombus? <laughs> the rhombus Just table. some of my favourite shapes I thought I'd mention. So they, um, they have round tables at Starbucks. Apparently, oh yeah. And the reason for that is that um, people look less alone when seated alone at a round table. Really? really? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense there's it? no obvious place for other people to go, whereas at yeah. a square table, I suppose you want other people on the extra edges. Yeah. So yeah. Gareth. Yeah. So he was the nephew. Um, we don't know anything else about him. No, no. There's quite a lot. I mean, he's yeah. a, he's a big part of the story. Actually, uh, it's a bit unfair to say that he's the nephew and make that sound as a bad thing because actually quite a number of the other knights were nephews of Arthur as well. Just and because so... everyone got in on special favours doesn't mean it's any better than Gareth did. <laughs> the only thing I know about him is that his nickname was Beaumain, which is Beaumain, as the French words, beautiful hands, which people teased him, saying, hey, pretty hands. Right. What, teased Gareth? Yeah. Oh, no. But that that does imply that he's not getting his hands dirty by killing dragons and stuff, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. I think he was a kitchen assistant or something he like was, that? yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, for a while, when he was sort of undercover. <laughs> that, that sort of period where a really rich, famous person goes into the slums and sees what it's like to be a normal person. Where he was undercover with his massive shield and massive sword yeah. and chainmail. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Peter the Great went undercover all the time. Uh, Did he? Yeah. He loved doing it, yeah. And he was... About seven feet tall, and clearly the Tsar of Russia. So it was very hard for him to do. Yeah. And he but had he... a big group of people with him, didn't he? Like 30 people walking along yeah. with him, and he's going, Nope, no, I'm not him. Right. Yeah, but he went. He got a job in a shipbuilding yard, and he would only answer to the name Peter the Shipbuilder. <laughs> and people would bring him matters of state in the evenings after he finished building ships for the day. Wow. And then he would say he would sign a few documents and things, and then he'd... Oh, but yeah, then he'd wail all the time. He's kind of got it wrong if he calls himself Peter the whatever he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Old habits die hard, yeah. basically. Yeah, he 
couldn't help it. But I think people like pretended to not recognise him, didn't they? Yeah. To make him <laughs> feel like he yeah, was being successful. Really yeah. um, that's, I guess it was easier to go undercover in, in the olden days, you know, yeah. the pre-photography days. There's uh, was a rumour written down at the time, wasn't there, that the way Marie Antoinette was captured was because someone recognised her from the coins. Uh, really? And that's then reported her to the authorities, and that's why her but and you, Louis... <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. a really funny idea, someone looking at the coin and then looking up <laughs> yeah. and looking back at the coin going, wait, excuse me, madam, could you stand sideways for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> um, back to knights. Yeah. What would you guys say at night tournaments in the Middle Ages, what was the main sport? Jousting. jousting. No, it wasn't. Jousting was always a, a side sport. The main sport was always the melee, which was um, the big group fight where all the knights like galloped in towards each other and had a group oh, fight. like a melee. Like a... Like, and that's oh, yeah, where we get melee from. That sounds amazing. Jousting was always a, just a side avenue. So like and a, a lot of... Um, rulers and people campaigned to get jousting banned because they thought it distracted from the main melee um, and they thought it wasn't wasn't a necessary part and Count Philip of Flanders actually used to turn up with a whole retinue um, and decline to join the melee and so make sure everyone else got in the melee and then when he was jousting he'd be able to win the joust because everyone was tired from the melee um, and so people wanted to ban the jousting I think it's true that the only reason more people didn't get killed in the melee was because the main aim was to capture other people Oh, really? And then you would sell them their armor back to them because it's very embarrassing, and they basically ransom your armor from you. Oh. Yeah. What uh, would they go in with a lance? Um, Lancelot would. <laughs> okay, um, a Lancelot. Um, there's a guy called George Lancelot. He's in the news quite recently. Uh, he's had 176 convictions for repeated sweary outbursts in the UK. <laughs> sweary outbursts? <laughs> yes. He's been arrested for abuse a few times, and um, he claims to suffer from personality disorder, which makes him swear and rant whenever he is out in public and he's been drinking. Hmm. Uh, and recently he was sent to prison for a short amount of time. As he was led from the dock in Exeter Crown Court, he shouted, I get less for burglary. Fuck off. <laughs> in his defence, he had been drinking. <laughs> um, have you guys heard of the game King Arthur? No. Or played, in fact? No. Uh, this was a game that sailors played in the 16th and 17th <laughs> centuries. Um, so you'd elect one crew member to play King Arthur and he'd be dressed up in ridiculous robes and apparently wear a wig made of rope and then everyone else of the crew would have to be like formally introduced to this King Arthur and they'd have to dip, tip a bucket of freezing cold water over his head. So it's like the ice bucket challenge. It's yeah. a bit like that. But if you, when you tipped it over his head and obviously I guess his reaction was quite amusing, if you cracked a smile or a laugh, you had to swap places with him and you had to oh, become the King Arthur character. Wow, yeah. that's great. So you t only shouted, you said, hail King Arthur. Tipped a bucket over his head. Had to keep a straight face. I nominate Long John Silver. <laughs> <laughs> so, just back to the knights very mm. quickly. Uh, because I'm not of your country. I mm -hmm. didn't really get an upbringing totally with it. I, obviously, you guys might have, I'm guessing, in school. Was it a big part? Been knighted. No, no, no. Just uh, <laughs> King Arthur, the whole mythology. Not really. Not, not really, no. Because it's not true. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, We've uh, all seen it? The Sword in the Stone Disney film. Yes. I haven't. Oh, well, it's the best Disney film. Oh, oh yeah, there we go. There's a really hot squirrel in it. <laughs> that is true. It's true, right? She's pretty fit. She yeah. is sexy. L like the fox in Robin Hood, for example. That was Robin Hood. And what? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, like, Andy, sorry. He's a very handsome fox. He is a handsome fox. Uh, yeah, um, 
But so there's no basis of truth in it whatsoever, right? There are certainly claims. There's a claim that a huge round table that hangs in Winchester Hall is the real round table. Basically, what happens is there's this mythology, which most people think isn't true, but there might be some kind of historical basis to it, probably not. And so when you have anything like that, it means that everyone can claim part of it. So Okay. Um, there's a th- I think the latest theory is that so it's a bit like Robin Hood I think is that people often come up with theories of where the Arthurian legend might have come from and the yeah. latest is that he was Kazakhstani oh really wow. nice modern interpretation Kazakhstani king but he was a mythical Kazakhstani king as opposed to a mythical English king is that right I think so yeah okay cool there's another theory that he's Croatian uh, because his wife was called Igraine and there is a town called Igraine in Croatia and they've decided well it sounds the same so she must have been from here Fair enough. So, um, well, just with the round table and Gareth specifically, uh, it turns out that um, Gareth's death is what led to the sort of breaking up of the round table of the knights being oh, there all the time. No. Yeah. So they really did care about the little kitchen. They boy. loved Gareth. Yeah, he was he was a big. No. He wasn't just the the nepotistic nephew coming in. He was very much loved. <laughs> so Gareth, that was actually the first use of the name Gareth in. Yeah, recorded. I read one theory that um, it was History. a mistake by Mallory. Oh, um, okay. That he was supposed to be called Gaharriot, but he'd misheard Gaharriot and said Gareth I mean, instead. it's not that much less embarrassing <laughs> having the female name Harriet as the main part of your male name, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> so do you think we could say that Gareth, in the same way that, like, Joe Anna is the female version of Joseph or whatever, Josephine probably, do you think we could say that Gareth is the male version of Harriet? I can think of a better male equivalent of Harriet than Gareth. <laughs> it's taken me a while. <laughs> but I, have to roll with it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it must be a really obscure name. <laughs> Let's move on to fact number three, and that is Andrew Hunter Murray. My fact is that the Ministry of Defence owns 15 golf courses. This is the British Ministry of Defence. Right. Um, yeah. Why? Do we know why? Why not? Well, it's, it's hard work killing the enemies of the crown. <laughs> yeah, and if you can't relax and have a quick nine, you know. No, I, no. I think um, it, I think it's because you know when you watch a James Bond movie, and I know Ministry of Defense is different to MI6, yeah. but they must have their spies as well, right? Ministry of Defense. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see a James Bond movie, Bond is brilliant at everything. You don't become brilliant <laughs> at everything without training like without crazy. Without being good at golf. Yeah. Well, golf would be one of the things. There so will be a Bond so movie where he plays golf. He and plays he just... against uh, Gold- Goldfinger. Well, there yeah. you go. You assume down that the Ministry of Defence also owns like loads of tennis courts, they got tennis and, courts and bowling have... alleys. Yeah, well, I, I think I read balls. that they do have like polo... Uh, poker tables. Poker tables. Uh, um, ski resorts. They've got, a dart, they've got a dartboard. Dartboard. Scrabble <laughs> <laughs> bars. <laughs> they've got it all. <laughs> they've got one spy waiting for the evil villain who plays Shove Hapney. Yeah. <laughs> Twister. It's, yeah, they... Can you imagine? I want to see the inventory of Mr. just everything Bond. that they have. Redfoot Green. <laughs> Did you say Redfoot? I said yeah. Redfoot Green. <laughs> Redfoot Green. Mr. Bond caught Redfooted. <laughs> Another thing the Ministry of Defence has is, this is in their list of achievements for 2014, um... Completed a rollout of Internet Explorer 8 as its default browser. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad, guys. Impressive. Still on Internet Explorer. And not only that, Internet Explorer 8 came out in 2009. Wow. Um, Have you heard of Kabul Golf Club? No. This is the only golf club in the whole of Afghanistan. Right. And um, the the course rules specifically call the greens uh, browns. 
Yeah. Because it's very, very dry and there's no grass. Oh, really? so, yeah, it's all, yeah. Basically, it's all sand, but they make the greens more compact, don't they? Yeah. I think. Um, and it used to be an area for training in the removal of mines. And some pla- some, you have to carry art- artificial turf with you sometimes, put that on the ground where your ball is, and yeah. play off that to the next is bit. And then carry your artificial turf with you. That happens. <laughs> put it under the ball. That happens in actual... Not like professional golf, but if yeah. you're a member of a golf course, some golf courses in the UK, right. you'll carry some artificial turf really? in the winter because they don't want you hacking up the, the mud. Oh, really? So you bring your own bit of artificial stuff, put it down, put the ball on and play it off there. That's oh. fantastic. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what the first crazy golf course was? No. Um, it was, it's still around, it's at St. Andrews and it's a putting green. And it's got loads of real big hills on it, so the oh, ball wow. goes in all sorts of directions. And it was invented because uh, ladies weren't allowed to play on the golf course, so they gave them this little, like, fake golf course to play. Uh, and then it became so popular, because actually it's a much, lot more fun than proper golf, yeah. If, yeah. if you're not good at golf, and that everyone started playing it. And then they kicked the women off that one as well. <laughs> said, no, 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 you can, you can play this tiny golf you've just invented. With your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> a little um, cocktail stick for a golf club. That's so funny. Is it true Mary Queen of Scots, first uh, female golfer in records? Yeah, that is yeah. true. Wow. Records, though, are tricky things. But yeah. yeah, I think it is. And I think James the Fourth of Scotland was the first recorded golf player. Again, he definitely wasn't the first ever golf player, but yeah. he played in 1502. He uh, lifted the ban that had previously been in place on playing golf because... Um, it was encouraged to encourage archery practice. Golf was not allowed because you know if you yeah. can't play golf. James, yeah, his as grandfather you... banned it, didn't he? Yeah. So apparently, part of the reason that he lifted the ban was he realised that cannon would probably replace archers in time, so it wasn't as important for everyone to be doing archery practice. Mm. Long sighted. Yeah. Mm. Um, Quite a lot of famous people in history have have been known for playing golf, haven't they? Like I think Rudyard Kipling was a big golf fan. Oh yeah. And in. Inve- it's claimed that Rudyard Kipling... I mean, it's true that Rudyard Kipling invented snow golf. But it's often claimed, like, this is a sport that now we're all playing. And did you know that <laughs> Rudyard Kipling invented it? I'm almost like... constant. It's getting a bit out of hand, actually. The amount of snow golf I play. Snow golf Don't do any archery anymore. <laughs> okay, so there was a golfer in Benin called Matthew Boyer. Okay, this might be a made-up story, but it's all over the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day he played a shot described as a glorious slice... Um, the ball hit a bird, which in turn dropped onto the windshield of, of a trainer jet. Um, that trainer jet pilot then swerved out of the way and took out four new Mirage jets and um, in one go totally demolished the entire Air Force of Benin. Oh my God. Wow. Through one golf shot, that's what happened. That is impressive. And they worked out it would take him 145,000 years to pay off his debt. Wow. <laughs> Did he yell out in the court, I would have got less for burglary? Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I could be a cool catcher if you're leaving court every time. <laughs> okay, time for our final fact, and that is Chazinski. My fact is that the rise in the use of female contraceptive pills is causing fish to become too effeminate. So this is a genuine problem. Uh, this is about how the a lot of women use a female contraceptive pill, understandably. It's a great thing. But that does mean that we end up flushing out of our system a lot of female hormones mm. um, that go into the drains and get into rivers and the fish take them in and it causes this thing called intersex, which means that like a male fish will stop producing sperm, it'll start producing eggs, and then it damages fish populations because it's thought they can't really breed as well oh, when they start course, doing yeah. that. 
Um, so yeah, bit of an issue. Mm. Stuff being flushed down the drain. Huge issue. Yeah. How can there be that much that's going into the ocean? The fish hanging out by the source of the sewers. It's or? a good point. So yeah, it does take this, the tiniest amount to have an effect on them. So they added um, it's EE two, which is ethanol estradiol, uh, which is the main active ingredient of contraceptive pills, which triggers the condition uh-huh. um, in fish. And so they added five parts of that per trillion to water to test it out and it still had an effect on the fish. Wow. That's extraordinary. So I was just other things that go through the drain systems and and out in the ocean. Um, I was talking to this lady from the Natural History Museum, Sandy Knapp, and uh, she's actually, it's not relevant, she's a curator of potatoes and tomatoes, but what I'm talking about is facial (laughs) products. Uh, She was telling me, she gave me this little vial of these little blue beads and she was saying these beads are from when you wash your face with face wash. It's those micro beads that they oh, say yeah. they're inside the thing. And she was saying, what do you think these are made of? And I assumed it's a natural product. And she said, no, it's little bits of plastic. And the plastic is now, uh, apparently, when it goes through the drains, that gets forced out into the ocean. Right. It makes it through the system. Fish are eating it, becoming toxic. It's actually poisoning the fish and then when you eat the fish it's actually harming us now so apparently it knocks yeah, up course. radiation levels or something i don't yeah i've probably gone all pseudo-y there at the end and but that's in moisturizer it's in like a face yeah, wash you, you know, know when you have you those buy, um, microbeads yeah if you buy face wash and it's kind of a bit rough you know, Anna, when you buy f- face wash, you know, <laughs> when, you wash your when you wash your face. Never done that. Humans are paying for their vanity now, aren't they? <laughs> you said that like you weren't a human. <laughs> you people will suffer. Puny mortals. So um, industrial pollutants are shrinking the genitals of polar bears in Greenland. That's their excuse. <laughs> <laughs> they should just blame down the cold, shouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> but apparently weakening their penis bones and... Wow. Yeah. Oh, Industrial pollutants. Yeah. And also there's a chemical used to paint boats uh, on the western coast of Australia called TBT. And that causes female sea snails to grow male sex organs on their heads. Wow. <laughs> Which that is, is pretty comical. That's yeah. an odd mutation, yeah. yeah. That is a right. funny one. The good news is that the percentage <laughs> of snails with the penis on the foreheads is going down, uh, and the size of the penis is shrinking uh, thanks to a decreasing proportion of chemical in the water. That is, that good, is good news. news. I think we all know what the most common insult is in the snail population there, don't we? <laughs> 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 it's a pretty straightforward one. So another fish that would change sex um, is Nemo from the film Finding Nemo. Okay. Did you know about this clownfish? Um, in, I mean, if, it, if, if, the cl- if the story went as a proper clownfish life cycle does, um, mm. Nemo would hatch as a hermaphrodite, because all clownfish are born hermaphrodites. Yeah. And um, when the female mate dies, Nemo's father would have turned into a female, now, ah. sin- and because Nemo is the only other clownfish around in this setting of the film, he would then become a male and mate with his now female father, <laughs> unless his father dies, in which case he changes into a female and goes off with another male. Uh, I haven't seen this movie. Is that not what happens? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's pretty much the it. extended director's cut. Uh... <laughs> I did read that the mother of Nemo dies uh, after four minutes and three seconds of finding finding Nemo. Right. Yeah. Uh, eaten by a barracuda, apparently. Yep. Uh, but this was in a story... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> For those who've only made it two minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but this was in an article um, that says that two-thirds of children's animated films contain an on-screen death of an important character compared with only half of comparison films. So there are more deaths in children's films than there are in really? adult films. Wow. Yeah. So basically yeah. it's either a dead parent, a single parent, or a mother who turns into a father who turns into a mother <laughs> who has sex with a child. <laughs> It's usually one of those plot lines. <laughs> the three Although that, that is a fully functioning fish family that you've just described. <laughs> yeah. um, so on Finding Nemo, I, there's a book that's just come out, I think, which is called Water, the Past, Present and Future, um, which is quite interesting. And that uh, states that one of the reasons that Finding Nemo was set in Sydney is that Sydney is one of the only places in the world, so one of only three English-speaking uh, places in the world, where you could flush a fish down a drain and it would make it to the sea without dying. Um, oh. Because... What would happen to the others? The others are going to get ground up and crushed to death in various sewage treatment oh, plants. Oh, Ooh, dear. Uh, yeah, in fact, there was, a, there was panic when Finding Nemo was released that kids were going to start doing this to their fish to free them. <laughs> and so they released a statement saying, actually, a better title for this film would have been Grinding Nemo. <laughs> because, actually, if you do this to a fish, it will end up crushed. Wait, who wow. released that statement? Uh, it was the... It was the National Pun Laboratory. Was it an animal rights group? No, it was someone involved with the film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that helpful, though? Because children don't normally read a lot of statements. <laughs> well, I, or I appreciate a good pun in yeah. title. Because <laughs> apparently there was a rise in parents calling plumbers going, how do I get my fish out? We've flushed it down. Is it, can it be saved? And really? Yeah, yeah. Because children were just doing it. Um, and there was and also a lot of children, even though it doesn't exactly like hold up the virtues of owning a clownfish because he does just escape, um, there was a problem with kids suddenly wanting clownfish. And I think there was a certain sea that they were just taken from where it was emptied of all yeah. its clownfish. Oh, oh really? Okay. Yeah. The damn selfish. I know. No, that's kid. actually the group of fish that clownfish are from. They're called damn selfish. Isn't damn. that a cool name? The damn selfish. Da- Wait, da- damn. D-A-M selfish. One word. Oh, damselfish. Is that how you say it? Oh, yeah, well done. Um, <laughs> um, quick question. Why do people flush goldfish down the toilet and not eat them? Um, <laughs> the say the reason. two options. Well, I'm just curious. It's the same like... reason that people bury their dogs <laughs> and don't eat them? <laughs> yeah, but we eat fish. We don't eat dogs. Okay, good point. Like, there's fresh your... fish in the house now. There are so many reasons, yeah. but James... Are there? Right, here's one good reason. <laughs> yeah. If your fish has just died, you don't know what it died of. It could have died of a disease or something, so okay. you wouldn't want to eat it in that way. Yeah, but that's most... one extremely that's not, good that's reason. That's not the reason I didn't eat my hamster, for example. <laughs> died. Also, I don't, I don't ask for a certificate of death when I'm in a restaurant when I've ordered a haddock. Okay. But you do, also, you do understand, not... don't you, that the restaurants have asked for that. <laughs> At some point, have the they? restaurants have to go through a process where they make sure their fish <laughs> are healthy just, to eat. Really? Let's find dead animals. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen those big ads in the newspapers, we buy dead fish. <laughs> Cash for dead fish. <laughs> Cash for goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> It just seems you're throwing away food. Um, one story I like about Finding Nemo is that when Andrew Stanton, who had the uh, Pixar, had the idea and pitched it um, to the head of Pixar, John Lasseter, he did it in a session that lasted over an hour and he had lots of visual aids and character voices and it really tired him out, he says. Um, and at the end of it, he was like, oh, Lasseter, what do you think? And Lasseter just went, you had me at fish. <laughs> okay so um some stuff on contraceptives mm, maybe oh, yeah. um sponges were used 
uh, as contraceptives in the 1800s and 1900s. Uh, they would use with use them with spermicides. Mm. Okay, uh, what and put them into yeah. So they would be used with things like quinine and olive oil, uh, and that would supposedly be a contraceptive. Wow. Yeah, okay. uh, and some even doubled as household cleaners. And one was advertised as a dual treatment for successful womanhood, which means contraception, right. and athlete's foot. Oh. <laughs> so, two for one. I don't know which order you'd want to do that. Uh, <laughs> I do. I say, now my athlete's foot has cleared up. <laughs> <laughs> but I have 20 children. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with any of us about the things we've said over the course of this podcast, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm on at Schreiberland. James. At Eggshaped. Andy at Andrew Hunter M. and Chazinski. Uh, you can email podcast at qi.com. And you can also go to no such thing as a fish.com where we have all of our previous episodes. Have a listen. And we're going to be back again next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Goodbye.